Good to have you here on the first weekend at Sheltered Cove. You know, um, we are surrounded by celebrations, uh, birthdays, uh, anniversaries, uh, job promotions, accomplishments, uh, new birth, job promotions, graduations, whatever. Uh, and this is kind of the season of celebration. It really is. We're at the tail end of it. Thanksgiving, just 40 days ago or so, uh, national tradition. 1621, a group of people came here and they didn't know if they were going to survive. And they were extremely grateful to the Lord uh, that they had, in fact, arrived in the new land. So they created this thing called Thanksgiving, being thankful for God's provision. In the same way, communion's the same thing. I mean, communion, when we take communion, or if you have a different background, the Eucharist, same thing, uh, you do get this idea that Jesus wanted the church to celebrate. And every time you take communion, you're to remember him, and it's a celebration of what he's going to do on a cross. Christmas is a celebration, right? I mean, we do all sorts of things with Christmas. We, obviously, we celebrate the birth of a Savior, but we give gifts, and we have decorations, special services, lights, I mean, events, concerts, all sorts of stuff. It's a celebration, really. And then there's New Year's, and in some degrees, this is a celebration. A celebration that the old year is gone, but it's also surrounded, typically, by New Year resolutions, fresh starts. Almost everyone, if you really took some time to think about it, almost everyone here, including myself, in reflection, would be disappointed in some aspect of the previous year, or maybe even in our life. Hence, we aim in New Year's resolutions and things like this service here to do better, to improve, to change. Well, 2022 is going to be challenging. There's no doubt. I mean, 2020 was crazy. 2021 wasn't much better. 2022, I am sure, is going to have its share of issues to deal with. So I'm going to give you three resolutions that you can take with for the rest of your life, but certainly for 2022. And for those of you taking your notes, I'm going to give them to you so you can pay attention to the actual words. Um, and they're up here. The first one, based on Ephesians 5.15, that first one's a big one. <laughs> Don't be dumb. I tell my staff that all the time. Don't be dumb. Second one is do be spiritual. I think spirituality has lost some flavor in America, and we need to bring that back. And then three, the shortest of the points, but maybe the most profound, always be thankful. Now, if you have a Bible, turn over to Ephesians 5.15 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers have some for you if you'd like to. Uh, you can use that one right now or even take it home. It's our gift to you. But I think they're very simple, relatively easy, but profound resolutions. Don't be dumb, do be spiritual, and always be thankful. Now, we have a tradition here uh, that isn't really found in the Bible per se, but it is just a matter of us doing a little mnemonic by standing when we read the text. And this text is easy because it's short. So if you would stand with us just to honor uh, the Lord's word here. And we will read this together. I'm using an ESV. So let me just uh, read it to you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. 
making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's for sure. Therefore, do not be foolish. In other words, Americanism, don't be dumb. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Thank you. So the first point is simply, verse 15, you can follow along, uh, is don't be dumb. Being dumb can lead to bad things and embarrassing things. Some dumb things are tragic, which I will share at the end of my message. And other things are just flat out embarrassing. You do dumb things, it, it's really embarrassing. How many of you can remember a dumb thing you've done in your life? It just comes to your mind right away. How many of you have done something that's really embarrassing and it just comes to your mind? Bam. Okay, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, we have counseling because <laughs> denial is a bad thing. So here's the deal. We've all done dumb things. I could write a book about the dumb things that I've done. I'm going to share with you the dumbest thing that I ever did in my life, by far, most embarrassing on the embarrassing scale. Uh, I'm senior in high school, playing football. I'm on varsity, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we just destroyed this opponent, and it's second team, third team was in there, strings, third string out there. At the end of, like, this middle of fourth quarter, and the, the team has to punt. Now, for those of you who don't know much about football, typically there are nine guys up on the line blocking the guys trying to block the punt. And then there's a guy between the center who's snapping the ball and the punter who's at the very back. He's going to get it. He's going to kick it. Well, for whatever reason, the second string guys didn't figure out who was on the punting team. And so we only had 10 guys out there. I was standing by the coach, my mistake, and he grabs my face mask and he literally yanks me. Kelly, get in there. Well, I'm a wide receiver cornerback. I know nothing about blocking. I know nothing about punting. I've never played with this particular team. I didn't know what was going on. So I get in the huddle. And I, hey, uh, I don't know what exactly I'm supposed to do. Hey, you just stay in between the punter and the line. And if anybody breaks through, you block them. Blocking, huh? Huh, okay, whatever. And so it, the ball snapped. Bam, there it goes. The entire second string line, our team, just folds. And the entire line of the defense is coming towards that punter. Three big particular guys come right down the middle. And I'm backing up thinking, oh my goodness, they're a lot bigger than I am. How, which one do I block? As I'm backing up, the punter does not see that I'm backing up. And he tries to punt the ball. Unfortunately, I block my own punt with my backside. <laughs> you can look it up, Centralia, Washington, 1978. I did it. Uh, you can uh, rest assured I heard about that the entire year. Folks. All of us do dumb things. Some of them, no big deal. Other things can hurt for a lifetime. This verse says, look at it, verse 15. Four words. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then. Now, 
the, the issue of then is a big deal because it's referring to the first 14 verses. And if you look back in Ephesians 5, look at verse 3, you'll see, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must never even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. And folks, there's a lot of empty words out there today. A lot of them. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. My friends, I'm here to tell you that you and I are to be very careful because the days are evil. Verse 16. In my opinion, we need to be like what Jesus said in Matthew 5, where we are the light of the world. For those of you taking notes, Matthew 5, 14 and following. The light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand that gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, folks, we live in a dark world. They've turned their back on, on God completely. The United States used to be a Christian nation based on Christian principles. It became a post-Christian nation historically. But now I believe it's an anti-Christian nation. Because at, at, at this very moment, there are forces that even that we can't see, if you look at Ephesians 6, that, that are playing in our world that makes this passage so important that we would be wise in how we live, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, because we need to be lights and lights stand out. Now, why would we want to stand out? One simple thing. People are out there looking for truth. They don't even know it, but they are. And if they see you and the way you live, what you stand for, doing what's right because it's right, no other reason, then they might come to you. And therefore, the scripture here in verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity. You and I are on a mission. Believe it or not, we don't just sit around uh, living life and dying and, and just uh, being bland and, and, I don't know, sidetracked. We have a purpose here. And we are to be wise. And therefore, as I said probably a year ago on this very stage, you matter. How you live matter. The text says that wise people make the most of every opportunity. Every moment of every day matters. Because we don't know how long we have on this earth. Right? Nobody can count their own days. It could be in the next minute. For many people. And, and yet we have a purpose. And we are to attract people to the message. Why do we stand out? It's so other people can see. What we're about. And what the Lord is about. Yesterday I was uh, walking our dogs. Susan, Susan and I were just. It's a beautiful day. We live in the college district. And uh, we're walking up to O'Brien's to get a cup of coffee. Starbucks. My wife is addicted. Um, <laughs> 
Well, she's not addicted. She just needs it. Um, And we walk by this guy and he's super old and he's got a, a, a cane and he's crunched over and he's really hobbling, uh, trying to get, you know, and he's got a hat pulled down, the whole mask thing. And he goes, he goes, hey, neighbor. He's looking down at the ground. And we're like, Al, is that you? We have two old guys right next to us and all they do is sit on their porch, smoke their cigarettes and they gab. They are just a hoot, but they're very, very private people. I go, Al, is that you? And he, yeah, it, it's me. And uh, how are you doing? And Susan says, well, how was your Christmas? And Al said, um, and he paused for me, he's looking down the whole time. He goes, uh, lonely. Yeah, lonely. And Susan says, well, I haven't seen uh, Jim for a while. Um, everything okay? And he goes, um, Jim died on the 26th. Known him for 50 years. Only friend in the world. And now he's alone. And that's an opportunity, folks, for us to step in. And so I just said, hey, Al, anytime there's a holiday or for that matter, anytime you just want to come over, <laughs> smoke your cigarettes in my backyard. Okay. I'm not a big fan of smoke. But you know what? Come and come over to our house. Because Jim needs a friend. And there's a lot of people out there. I mean, Al needs a friend. Jim's the guy that passed away on his floor from a heart attack out of nowhere, as we found out. Folks, you and I are here to help the lonely, the despondent, the person who needs Jesus more than they need their next breath. And we're to make the most of every opportunity. Now, most of you know I play pickleball over here at Byer uh, Park. There's a pickleball club, lots of folks there. I played Friday and Saturday, and, and Saturday, this guy comes up to me. Uh, as we're done. We'd just been partners. It's a doubles game. And he says, uh, hey, um, I know you're religious. I mean, you're religion, right? I go, well, I'm not religion. Yeah, I, I guess you could call me religious. Now, you have to know Mike. Mike is an army guy. He has an army hat, army sweater, army down the side of his sweats army on his motorcycle that he brings into the park to the tennis courts on the grass. Very interesting cat. Very, very boisterous. Happy-go-lucky. Loud as can be. But he comes to me and goes, hey, uh, what's that religion that you, is it Latter-day Saints? I go, wow. Okay, there's so much for my witness. No, here's the deal. It's not Latter-day Saints. It's, it's, it's Shelter Cove Community Church. I don't know where that is. It's on the corner over here on coffee, Claritina. Uh, Christmas lights? No, nothing. All I know is that that guy with mist in his eyes wanted to know about my religion. And I told him that I was preaching this weekend and I'm hoping he's going to come to the next service. You and I have to reach out to the Mikes and the Owls because we have to be making the most of every opportunity. Every moment counts, folks. Wise people make the most of every opportunity. You and I always will have regrets. It happens when we waste our time, our talent, our energy, our money even, but mainly time because wise people use their time well. Foolish people or dumb, fool is the most negative thing you can say in the scripture. 
Raka is the way it's said in scripture several places. Raka, fool. And foolish people tend to waste their time and are sloth-like, and in this context, in our faith. And I'm here to say that 2022 should not be like that. So sub-point under don't be dumb is, A, how you live matters. How you conduct yourself, how you behave, your attitude, your work, your actions, our time. Folks, we're like a fish, we're in a fishbowl. And Christians especially, because we're high, hold to a different standard than everybody else. And, and they're looking at us to see how we're, we're acting and, and what we're doing, how we're reacting. And the problem is the fish never know who or when they're actually being watched And I am here to say that it matters how we live. Because Paul says, be very careful how you live. The American church is as lazy as it's ever been. We're taking our faith far too lightly. Why does it matter how we live? Because no one is going to listen to an obvious contradiction. If you are saying one thing but living a different way, if, you, if they know you go to church but you're living over here and you're crude and this and all that, that's a nonsensical proposition. We can't be like that. Every one of us has a public life, a personal life, and a private life. Public is right here. We're, we're, you know, we, we actually are, are normal here. I mean, we even showered before we came here. But... We also have a personal life when we're around our friends and family and we, we let our hair down and we kick our feet uh, up onto the, the table unless you're in my house where my wife would knock them off. But the bottom line is, is that we have a personal time with just our closest friends or family. And then we have a private time when nobody else is around. Folks, I'm hearing, here to tell you that when it says be very careful how you live, your public life, your personal life, and your private life should be the same. You follow that? When it's not, no one is going to listen to you about anything spiritually. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to have some variations because we're not perfect. I get that. But the world needs us to be attractive, to be different than the people they're used to. Uh, For those of you taking notes, here's a little Greek lesson for you. Hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S, H-A-G-I-O-S. It means to be set apart. It's the root word of the word holy, as in holy Bible. Lots of books, biblios, that's a, a term, it just means book. So the Bible you have in your hand or on your phone or whatever, that, that Bible is a book, but it's a holy book. In other words, it's set apart different than all the other books ever. You follow that? And when Jesus calls us and Paul calls us to be a holy people, that means we are different than this because of the way we treat people because people count. Jesus came here to seek the lost. Therefore, our, our passion has to be that. And how you live matters. It, living starts with thinking. The battle for the soul in my mind is in our thoughts. Now, most of you know that I am a big fan of debate, dialogue, and discussion because I believe the Christian should be in the public square. I'm okay with people thinking different things and sharing them. And I'm okay with free speech and saying whatever you want to. 
Because I believe if Christians are silent about the things that are going on in this world, the world is going to corrupt itself right into the grave. And a Christless grave is a bad thing. Therefore, it is up to you and I to make the most of every opportunity and the most of our time. Let me go on a side note. You know, somebody last service said, buckle your seatbelt. Well, buckle your seatbelt. I know I'm going to get hate mail for this one. But I am sick and tired. I really am. I'm actually mad at what this world is doing to kids. They're destroying the innocence of children. Not only in school, but on the internet and TV. If you have kids, parents, I implore you to restrict access of your kids. Well, they'll be different. I don't care. Well, they'll whine. I don't care about that either. Of course, they don't live with me. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is the internet is dangerous to kids. TV is dangerous in many degrees because it's telling an agenda that is wrong and it's destroying innocence to the point where it's handicapping kids to see reality in God's light. And one more, might as well get all the hate mail. Um, even Disney is throwing up nonsense. I am sick and tired of seeing ads that have nonsense in them that are immoral, aimed straight at kids. So we make the most of the time. It's evil. We live in an evil time. And if it's not going to be you, it's not going to be me, then who's it going to be? And if it's not now in 2022, then when is it going to be? Or are we just going to stand on the sideline and let the world literally go to hell? It's a mistake. Church did it in 1972 and 1973 was a watermark year of tragedy. You can look it up. Supreme Court changed things. The church sat on the sidelines. Romans 10, verse 9, says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's your heart that you believe and with, are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In other words, the heart changes and the mouth comes out. As scripture says, verse 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. But for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Agreed? Okay, verse 14 then. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And the answer is they can't. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Folks, you and I are sent out to the world and the world needs you more than they need anything else. So don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. American church has completely lost it. COVID has shown it. The 99 and the 1, Luke 15, we talk about that a lot. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. But we got to start thinking about Matthew 6.33 where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. 
It's not about all the things we acquire. It's not about being popular with this world. It's not any of those things. It's just that we need to be kind and loving toward the owls of the world or the army guy or whoever is in your world. My previous church, much larger uh, than this one, uh, maybe three or four times bigger, the communication guy came to me and said, hey, listen, the ushers don't want any new people in their ranks. I said, what? Yeah, they've been doing it for 20 years. They don't want anybody. We've tried. So all these new people are coming to this church. Can't be an usher? Nope, they don't. They don't. Well, can't they rotate? Nope, nope. Okay, we're having a meeting because I'm not putting up with that. Well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you want me to have them? Yes, I want you to have a meeting. Well, what in the world do I say? He was just shaking his boots because most of these guys are older Christians than he was. He's a very young guy. I said, I'll be there. So I get there. There's about 70 guys in this room and I'm in the very back and I'm just listening. And Josh did a fine job presenting what we were going to do. And then several of them just gave him flack. Every question was, was really, really mean. So I took my text out and I just started texting Josh what to say to that guy. And Josh would parrot it back. Uh, and somebody else say, well, what about? I'd give him verses. I'd give him quotes. I'd give him Greek words even. I mean, I just wanted this guy to succeed. Folks, our ministry here is not like that. Our ushers here should be gathering people of their own friends and getting them on our usher list and getting them to serve. Our first impression people should be talking to their friends, engaging them to serve and join the mission. Children's workers, if you serve once a month, great. But why don't you go and see if you can work twice a month? Why, what, maybe every week. Talk with your friends about joining the cause. Why serve? Because we need to make the most of our time because the world is dying. And we want to provide the best care, the best impression, the best experience we can. Why? Because people matter. You matter. And we only have so much time. Second point. Don't be dumb is the first one. I tell my staff that all the time. They got a question. I say, what would be the dumb thing? Well, then don't do that. Number two, do be spiritual. Verse 18, middle of sentence. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Now, folks, when I see the be filled, that means you are a vessel. There's something to be filled. It, it, for you and I being filled, it means that you and I have some sort of thing in our soul that can be filled either with ourself Narcissism, evil, or the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to argue that this text is saying that we need to be led by the Spirit every moment of every day. You follow that? So two gauges. You can go put the gauges up there for me. Uh, one of them is positional. That's a theological term. All that means is, is that you're either a Christian up here, it's, it's switched on or full, or you're not. You're not sort of a Christian ever. You're either a Christian or you're not. And that's one gauge. And that's the gauge that gets you into heaven one way or the other. When you die and you come to before the pearly gates, to use that term, the, the bottom line is the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not you have in fact trusted in Christ for your salvation. That's it. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care what color you are. It's only that. You follow? But then every day of your life, there's a practical gauge that is filled. And then it's emptied. And it's filled. And it's empty. 
The trick in the, in the Christian life is to live in the spirit, which means filling that thing up with not yourself. To be for others. Being spirit-led, keeping your head on a swivel so you can see people where they're at. From my perspective, you can quench the spirit and it can go way low and you're not going to help anybody. Why? Because the noise of this world is in your ears. And the older I get, when I have other people around me talking, I can't hear the person in front of me. Well, it's just like that with the spirit. It's a reference to the life of the spirit. You will not hear from the spirit if your ears are tuned to this world. It's not possible to speak to one another. Definition of fellowship is around the Bible. That's the whole idea. And that's why I believe that you and I should be involved at a church to get in fact, there's kiosks out here today. Uh, I think there's a marriage one, a women's one, and a men's one. I think every single person should have some sort of connection to other people. And that way that can help fill our lives with the definition of fellowship. It says to sing a joyful noise. It's not the physical singing. It's a heart pouring out. Worship on a Sunday isn't just this. It's this idea of a reflection of what's going on during our week and we just get to express our week. For the American church has become consumeristic. It's all about what the church does for us. That's nonsense. It's what you should be doing for the Lord. Follow? It's not what the church should be. I don't care what the color of the carpet is. I don't care what kind of coffee we serve, though I do really actually do care a little. But the bottom line is we have to understand that this whole life isn't for us, but it's for the spirit-led person. So be careful with your spiritual health. You know when you make mistakes the most is when you're tired and you're disconnected. I've seen it all the days of my life. People in my office all the time telling me about something and it's almost always because they've not paid attention to their spiritual condition. And we need to be filled and refilled constantly. That's why Bible studies matter. I think every woman in here should be in a women's Bible study or a life group or something. I think every man in here should have a partner that helps them in some sort of spiritual um, health improvement. There's a men's ministry thing that would be every single man would get benefit from. Because if we really believe the days are evil and the time is short, then we've got to make sure that we stay healthy spiritually. Final thing, and then I'll let you go. Be thankful. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks. We've all fallen short. We've, we can write our list of dumb things. We know that. I could fill a book of that. But we also need the church with a great attitude because I think verse 20 is all about attitude. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, it says this, Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, as you interact with more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. 
I believe a thankful spirit can actually increase more and more and more. To me, um, increase means that I am thankful for one more day in my life where I can make a difference. Ezra 3.11, they sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all the, now catch this, all the people gave a great shout of praise. Folks, heaven is going to be loud. Yes. Don't tell me about being quiet. It's nonsense. The Bible uh, says it over and over and over. Loud voice, loud shout, loud everything. Why? Because it shows intensity. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. One caveat for those who are taking notes. Thankfulness is, you don't be thankful for bad news. That's not, it's not this vain babbling nonsense. But it's being thankful through bad times. You know, the Bible says weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a common expression. Emotionally, we're going to get hurt in this world. If you haven't been hurt yet, you, you know, you will. Good news. Uh, but you don't go around being thankful because you got cancer or you got in a car wreck. What you do, though, is be thankful for the things that you can be thankful for, that you can resonate with the Lord and say, whoa. Thank you, Lord, for so many things. I was talking to Bill earlier. For all the dumb things I've done in my life, I, you know, the fact that I didn't die in a few of those is pure grace. Why I made it through and somebody else didn't, I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that you and I have to exercise our thankfulness often. So I've got an assignment for you. Challenge a bit. Starting today. I would like you to get a piece of paper, not typing, not a tablet, not a phone, a piece of paper and this thing called a pen. And I want you to sit down and I want you just today, write out every single thing you can think of that you're thankful for. Furthermore, I would like you to do that the first of every month for 12 months in a row. I guarantee you on December 31, 2022, if you come to me, I'll pay you a thousand dollars. Of the church's money. <laughs> if that doesn't change your attitude forever. Every month, just put it on your calendar and say, I'm going to write out all the, and there'll be some repeats, but for the crying out loud, I'm telling you, you will be changed. Consider Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Why? Because it gives a thankful spirit. Conclusion, don't be dumb, be wise. Don't be unspiritual. Pay close attention to your spiritual walk and health in 2022. And thirdly, don't be a complainer. Be thankful and a good, faithful servant. Final story. Senior high school, April 1978. There's a guy in the corner of the library I walked into that I've known since I was in kindergarten. We'd not been friends, close friends, you know, but I've known him for a long time. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? And he lifts up. He had his head down. He lifts up and he had tears in his eyes. I mean, like crying eyes. Very unusual to see a senior in high school crying in public. I go, hey, what's wrong? Make a long story short. He says, I just don't have any friends. Oh, Mark, you've got friends. Come on. 
no, I'm not like you, Ed. I, I, I'm not in sports, I'm not in debate club, I'm not in history. I'm not anything. Mark, why don't you come have lunch with me and the guys, um, uh, me and the guys at the senior table upstairs. No, nobody would want me there. Oh, I will find you. I'll drag you up there. And he just put his head down. I walked out of that library thinking, man, I got to do something. I, I know he plays tennis. He's lousy at it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I was varsity all four years in high school in var- tennis. And I just, maybe I'll just go take him out for tennis. That'll be fun. Well, this senior new Christian, four months old Christian, forgot all about Mark. I never did take him to the senior deck. I never did ask him to play tennis. And four years later, after we graduated, I went back to that high school to attend a graduation. And somebody came up to me and said, hey, how come you're in town? You you here for the funeral? And I said, funeral? No, I'm here for the graduation. Oh, you haven't heard that Mark died. Mark who? Mark Frederick. His mom found him in the garage of his house where he hanged himself. You see, Mark never found a friend. Ever. And because this guy was so more important about radio school, I never even considered Mark after that one conversation. Don't be dumb. Be spiritual. Your lives matter. And be thankful for the people you can touch like Al and Mike the army guy and whoever else comes into your world. So 30 seconds. I got to end this real fast. Like you bow your head and close your eyes and I'm going to keep time. 30 seconds. What's the Lord speaking to you today? Do you need to repent of some things in 2021? In other words, say you're sorry to the Lord. Do you need 30 seconds to ask the Lord to light your path, to guide you more than ever this year? Maybe there's something that nobody else knows. Maybe something you're struggling with. Or maybe there's 30 seconds to tell the Lord what you're thankful for. Either way, 30 seconds and then we will be done. Father, I'm thankful for every person in this room. And we all ask that the Spirit would guide and convict in 2022. Make us better. Help us to see. In your name, amen.